This is Coffee with Karina, and here's your host, Karina Michelle. Just last year, I interviewed Emmy for Authority Magazine, and just recently, I had the chance to catch up with her again. She's a singer, songwriter, musician, producer. She really does it all. And we talked about her early days and the journey to this point and how she's now having the chance to give back. I adore her. Her name is Emmy Lentino. Take a listen. You're yeah. so welcome. I, I love doing that article because I've done a lot this year. It's been really fun, but I love doing yours because you had such great energy. It almost comes off the page. Oh, wow. Thank yeah. you. Thing to say. I really appreciate that. No, I Thank love you. that. So how is it there now? You're in New Zealand, right? Yeah, I'm in New Zealand. It's it's really good over here. We're really fortunate. Yeah. I think I really feel for every everyone. Situations, yeah, pretty much every, everyone around the world. We are functioning pretty normally after doing... We've had two different lockdowns, but we're a very small island. Mm-hmm. So... I think it was easy to manage. There's only 5 million people in the whole country. And lockdowns though. We did not that the last one would have been back in maybe August, so it's been a few a while, but they have a very strict quarantine. So anyone that comes into the country mm-hmm. is only really either a citizen or a resident. Yeah. And and regardless they go into a 14-day managed isolation, you pay a fee and you go to to yeah. Okay. So I I had to do that back in October because my mom was unwell. So yeah. So in saying that there, I think that's probably what spared us because there have been tons of people that have come into the country, even with the new variant. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. I but, so many new words, right? It's like, I know, I'm grasping for the medical terms. <laughs> I'm glad you're okay and everything's good. And it's 9am there, right? Is that what you were saying? I can't figure out this. Time. No, it's 7. Oh, oh it's 7. 7am. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, but originally I was, I think I scheduled it for 4.30 a.m. or something, which is, which is her normal. I've had to do that a lot of times because I've got I'm one of those mornings where it's like run probably a, a lot like you just where it's, so I thought when I got the message, I was like, oh, that means that I don't have to start as early. Okay. That sounds great. I figured that because I looked at the time difference. I'm thinking, oh my God, is she going to do this before? I would... You would not want to see me on one of these things at 4 a.m. Like, I need my coffee. I need, I get up, I get pretty early, like 6 a.m. or something, but I need my coffee for an hour. And I, you know, get situated. That would not be a good thing. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So how did you grow up and how did you get into music? And- yeah, I grew up in Oregon and came from normal family life. And I always was doing the arts. So from the time I was really little, at about four years old, my mom took me to a musical Annie. And... I was fascinated by Annie on stage and Annie singing and she was a little girl and she was the star. And I thought I'd quite like to do that. I'd like to entertain people and have them clap for me. And so I stood up on the chair at the intermission, which is something that I would have never done normally. And I was like, this is what I, this is what I meant to do, mom. And she was like, that's not proper. Get off the chair. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> so you but I think it really was- early then you knew really early on. Yeah early on that that performing was what I wanted to do. I think even before that, I was singing for my parents. My dad's cowboy boots, massive cowboy boots, and I'd have a hairbrush and I'd be singing. And there's a video of me making up a song as I went along. So I was always listening to music. My parents were fantastic at exposing both my brother and I to music from anything from the 1800s all the way up to the 80s and 90s and beyond. So they were really music 
lovers. And so music was always a big part of my childhood and and got into dance and theater was also a massive, I think, influence in my life. I think it's only recently that I've, I've really piece that together, Karina, was that because I loved theater and I was always portraying characters and dressing up, I think a lot of that influenced then my music because it was, which is probably why I drift from genres, because I think for me, it's about telling a story and almost being another character or or portraying another perspective, which of course, in theater and in film, is you're doing that constantly. Important. I, yeah, what, creating a part, creating a movie, it's just, it, it, it changes everything, but you have a whole new perspective on it. Yeah. And I think it helps other people identify and understand the story through through different eyes and yeah I think so that that was to answer your question that's how I grew up it was performing arts and sports and uh, a lot of laughter went to church and sang in the church in a choir and so I had a yeah it was a happy childhood and my parents were very they were always very supportive and always very words of affirmation were part of our love language in our family so I grew up really believing that when you have a dream you can achieve it you have to work hard you have to be motivated you have to be driven but I had that that lovely support of you know parents that also told me the truth like when something was yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all sudden kind of butterflies like everything is perfect and you're yeah. gonna be so-. nothing like yeah. that but um, po- very positive oh, reinforcement wow. which is what I try to bring into my life now for my own children but also for everyone else is that positive outlook that life will throw you curveballs but it is actually your job to have the reaction that you're meant to, you know what I mean? Not your job, but no one can make you feel or do something. Your reaction is your own. And sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, no, that is so true. So how was it? Like, was it an easy, when you got a little bit older and you're like, okay, I want to, I want to be a singer and I want to be an entertainer. Was it easy for you to get into the biz? I don't, it was definitely not easy. I think the theater aspect when I was in high school, like I was doing a lot of theater for university and stuff. So they would, when they needed a, a younger part. So, in that respect, I was getting those auditions and, and getting the part, but things started to change when I moved to, so I went to, to call a university in Seattle and I did some theater and, and music there. And I think when I was there, I was studying, I was thinking, okay, what's beyond music and theater? I had a music scholarship, but I studied sociology because I really wanted to help understand groups of people. And I thought like, I could really take this into any field. And when I was in Seattle though, because it was such an artistic place, I started working with Seattle Repertory Theater and my, as a, not as an actress, I was 17 or 18. I was answering phones at the front desk. I was oh, the barista, cool. the coat check girl. Really? I was, so you saw all, all angles. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, had, I had seven jobs within Seattle Repertory Theater. <laughs> But it became my dream to one day perform there, which I still haven't to this day. But if you're listening, folks. Yeah, we should tag them. Hello. After COVID, right? After COVID, over. Yeah. But I met met Danny Glover. I met Leslie Todd. I, I just met these amazing actors when I was working at the front desk and they would talk to me and they'd say, could you get me this or that? And and we'd have chats. And then that, I moved on from there to work for the production assistant that was basically running all of the production. So I was I was her assistant. So at 1920, I was setting up all the apartments for the actors when they would stay and doing gift baskets. And it was really, I think it was a good learning experience because I feel like I had the creative side already, but then I really started learning and respecting business sides and how very important it is to, you know, treat people well in any 
capacity and you're at the lowest of the lowest totem pole, you get, I guess, I'm thankful that I was able to then learn how to communicate, not as a performer, but as someone that was doing work and was trying to make the actor's experience amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think it really shaped then later on how you talk to people and how you realize that every single person is is all going through something. They all have a job to do. Yep. And it's not about you. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes. There's so many you would, people, you know, so yeah. many people on a set, so many people in a production, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we need every single one of them. I'm always telling the crew and obviously the cast, but the crew off, often, they don't get enough credit, I think. Yeah. Like, oh, it's all- yeah. So then when I moved to LA and, and both San Diego and LA, I really then tried to pursue my career in a different way. And that was challenging. Okay. That was certainly, yeah, did the background work, did, had multiple jobs. Thank goodness I was nocturnal because I had so many different jobs that, really? you know, I was driving from, you know, yeah. LA to San Diego and teaching and Oh my yeah, God, and you were really driving. I complained about I driving was, around LA to auditions. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> for you? Yeah, I was doing a theater program for the Plinsky Center. So those were kids that were wards of the state. So I was doing drama therapy and, and that job was in San Diego. So I would do that twice a week. And so my jobs were all over the place. And then I remember getting myself in certain funny situations where I'd be singing somewhere and you'd meet people and you know how LA is. Everyone knows someone, but not, you know, no, it's not just people, like, right? You need to meet those yeah. ones you need. Yeah. 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 So I was quite naive, but fortunately, I think just always having that, my faith and, and my core values, I, I think I was spared. There was drama, of course, but I was spared from ever having to, I think, change who I was to get a part or I just had to do a hard no if it didn't, if it didn't adhere to what I knew to be right, which was difficult, especially in your early 20s when people are looking at you. Did you have that come up? I was really lucky when I was there. I, for Mm -hmm. some reason, I didn't have too many like bad things. I didn't really have anything like that, but I know what you're talking about. I mean, I remember there was one audition I went to and it got Mm -hmm. weird and I was like, this is a little, this isn't right. I was like, okay, I'm leaving. But I feel like (laughs) I just left. I was like, I was very like professional and I, I, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've heard stories. And it's just crazy, obviously. Yeah. yeah, my experience wasn't necessarily someone trying to do something they shouldn't have done. It was more about yeah. reading for a part. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, this is you know, probably not something that I'm I'm able to do. And that kind of where I had this line where I knew that that wasn't something that... And so there were opportunities that were that came my way that just I thought maybe were better for someone else, better suited, yeah. um, which, you know, was painful as a struggling actress and performer. Sometimes you think every opportunity is an opportunity. Those are the ones that really guide your career, I think. I always- Absolutely. And very humble, humbling to constantly go to casting calls and get get really close, get maybe um, a call back and for commercials or something and, and just for whatever reason. But I did some really silly things. Like I think one time I gave my business card to someone after the audition, yeah. which you're not supposed to. I was like very very naive. I just thought, oh, here you go. And I remember the look on on this woman's face. She was like, oh, they're so serious. They're so serious. I know. There's there's so many rules. Like, don't shake their hand. There's just I don't know. Yeah. That's funny. No, I I probably did all sorts of of funny things that you weren't supposed to do. But I just was always it always came from wanting to connect with people and really having this innocent perspective. And then I lived in my car as well for a while. 
Yeah. So that was interesting going to auditions and having to look really together and going to work and looking together, but also at the same time having to do everything in my car, which now looking back, I'm really thankful I had that experience because it gave me even more empathy. I had a car that I could go to. I wasn't on the streets, but, but that was really, I remember hiding it from people. And being really embarrassed. Oh, wow. I it's funny. I, I was so broke too when I first moved to LA. And then I wouldn't I couldn't get an apartment. Like <laughs> I'm yeah. from Texas. And it was I had a really nice apartment in Houston. It was awesome. And then I was like, okay, it'll be easy. I'll go to Hollywood. I'll get some nice place. And I had this agent in like Beverly Hills and he's oh, go look over here. And I'm like, this is crazy expensive. Like I don't have the money. And then I remember them being like, I I didn't have a lot of credit or like rental history. You had to have, yeah. you have this problem? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. They were like, where have you lived? And I was like, right. the dorms. And I, I rented. The hardest time too. <laughs> I slept on my like couches, friends' couches for a while. It was like crazy. And then, I don't know. I feel like it took me a year to figure it out. Okay. Now I have this place now. And then you have to keep getting work. So it's, which was fine, but it was, it's a struggle in LA. Even if you're doing well, even if you're doing well, I feel like it's so expensive and, yeah, it is expensive, but not as expensive as New York City, which is, is where I, I work. Where I work. <laughs> that is yeah. true. You yeah. space in LA usually too. Yeah, yeah, but I, I love New York because you can, you tap into that beautiful creative energy that's there. Yeah. It just, it hums with, with something so special and being able to walk everywhere yeah. with something I really loved. You know, I think... I drove so much in LA that when I gave up my vehicle, I gave it to a few different friends who desperately needed cars. So they shared it amongst themselves. And I was like, oh, I'll just go on a subway. I'll walk around. Yeah, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed New York City. And, and I was able to get back into theater again, which I think has always been a real passion of mine. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, but still, yeah, money was still a struggle Yeah, um, in New York as well. I feel like when you're an artist, it's just that way for it to, yeah. a lot of time. I got into it knowing that this is what I love to do. Yeah. And, and this is what I meant to do. And I wanted to help people. And so I thought if I ever, if the tables ever turn and I have some success, I will help as many people as I can. And I've been able to do that. And I feel really, I was true to my word. It's what I said to God. If I, if, if I ever am able to be successful on, a, on any scale, I want to be able to help others. And, and this past year, I've been able to do that with lots of different projects or people that were really having a hard time. And I think that's, it feels good to be able to do that too, to be able to make good on a promise that I made when I was like 19 or 20. You know, it's taken a long time to be able to. <laughs> no, I, I feel the same way actually this past year, just with several things. The past couple of years, probably I've been able to do it. And it, it's a good feeling. It's such a good yeah. feeling to be able to help out, especially people where you can see like yourself in them a little bit. Oh my God. If someone could have told me this, or yes. me out with this you, know? <laughs> you want to help. You're like, God, so should have told me this. But, but yeah, no, I know. I totally get what you're saying with that. But you did something really cool. You did a Christmas album with George yes. Michael's backup singers. Is that, did I say that right? Yeah. Yes, that's right. How did that happen? And what is that like? Yeah. I, I love the 80s and I love George Michael and all that. Yeah, I love George Michael too. He's he's iconic for sure. So I did his amazing song that everyone loves, including myself, Last Christmas. And I've loved that song for years. And, and anyone that knows me knows that I would sing it all the time, even when it wasn't Christmas. I'm one of those people that Christmas in June. Oh, that's me. I love Christmas too. My, <laughs> yeah, my daughters, I don't know. I've, they are the same now. And I'm like, what have I done? We can't take down the Christmas tree. We still have like remnants of stuff around because I'm like, I you know what I mean? <laughs> I, yeah, I do. 
later. You like have snow globes everywhere. Little things. And I like weed them out. It gets closer to February. I'm like, okay, maybe it's time. But, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a great experience. Basically had a, a project manager that I was working with, Michael Hanneman, and we were in LA and he had some connections with the Wham tour when he back in the day when he was a young buck and he was doing some of their kind of tour management stuff and and then knew one of the backup singers and said, Look, there's this artist I'm working with and she loves George Michael. She loves this song. What are the chances? He had this idea. What are the chances of maybe you bringing this to the other three backup singers and just playing the music for if they, if they like her? And, and he said, told her the story of how Tony had passed away and I was raising Isabella and Sophia two and three. And, and I think they really connected with the the story of loss and about how like George I wanted to help as many people as I could and, and I met them in the UK they'd already agreed to do it but it was just this kinship immediately in fact Shirley Shirley Lewis who was one of the backup singers she's I think she did about 25 years with George or maybe even longer. Wow. So she she started really young and just the most amazing woman sang on the back background of freedom and a bunch of other songs. It's just her and and Michael singing. So she and I recently chatted on, on the radio over in Australia about the experience. And one thing she said that was so special was that she said that pretty much instantly we had this connection, all of us mm-hmm. never having met, but just having this mutual love for George Michael mm-hmm. and going, wow, we really want to do something that's going to bless people at Christmas time. Yeah. Of course he passed away at Christmas. And, and so I think that's for right. all of us, it was emotional. I think right around Christmas day, if it wasn't on, day. yeah, if it wasn't on the day, it yeah. was right around the Christmas uh, season. And yeah, it was really special. And they've never recorded with another artist. They've never done music with someone else. So it was a really big deal. So they didn't sing on the original Christmas track because he actually is doing all the vocals. Mm-hmm. But they did all of his tours and all of them. You would have heard them on all the albums. I just need oh. to make sure that I... I referenced that correctly, but yeah, that was an amazing experience and it was really well received and it was really special to have that into the world. I think it it came out at at the right time. You know, 2020 was definitely a year where everyone needed a hug and I feel we were getting one with that song just because George obviously wrote such a great song. We did the music video and it was fun. Yeah. Oh, you have to check it out. Yeah. I love the 1960s. So that the style of the clothing and there's a a Lincoln Continental that makes an appearance in there too. And Santa and yeah, just really a lot of happiness. I wanted to bring a lot of visual joy to that song and yeah. And and now it's Oceanside, which is another, I think, very happy, uplifting song about wanting to go back to easier times, which I feel like 2020 was what it was. And I think... Mm -hmm. 2021 is about moving forward and and how we're going to bring the lessons that we've learned from the past into the future, but with hope. And and I'm excited about the song. I think it's got a a lot of elements that are very me. And it was great to write it with, co-write it with George. Greg Cortez, sorry, not, not George. <laughs> Talk about George Michael. Like, oh, um, I yeah, so. I'm sure he was there in spirit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I co-wrote it over Zoom with Greg Cortez in LA. So the whole song was virtually created. It was, we had a couple of sessions over Zoom. We wrote the song and then he co-produced it with another uh, guy who was in LA and then moved to New Zealand. So it was like the three of us doing this Zoom dance. I was going to say, it's uh, like a dance almost. Yeah. yeah, it was a dance. And it was, Greg had such uh, lovely elements that he added. He asked me 
when we were going in the process, he said, can you send me some audio clips of things that really bring you joy? So I sent him stuff of my little girls laughing and the beach sounds. And I didn't know why he was asking for it. And then of course I get the first edit and it's their voices in the background running around and it's the bridge. And he was able to just, it was really a creative a creative idea that I would have never thought of. So I really appreciated it. And, and Dan's amazing. I've worked with him for uh, a few years now. So to have, you know, someone that I haven't worked with, but had all these elements and really made me feel comfortable expanding on my music. And then to have a friend, it was just, it was a neat thing. The three of us are really proud of Oceanside and it's out now on all platforms. And I hope that people love it as much as I do and my girls because they're constantly singing it they're like mom this is my favorite song (laughs) that's so funny because I was gonna say too I was putting my little one she's four it's about the other night sometimes I'll put music on and I was like I'm gonna listen to Emmy stuff I just wanted to see you got your music a little bit more and I turned a song on and my daughter was like I like this one mama I like this and that Aww. was the one. It's almost like comforting, like a lullaby. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. She loves music and she loved it. So it's interesting. I wasn't, I forgot about it. And so you just said that she, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yay. I love it. <laughs> it's my, and adults too. <laughs> but yeah. I've made it. That's yeah, so good. You're there. <laughs> like, they're certainly truthful. They won't, um, they, won't tell, the they won't tell us lies. They'll look, look at you and go, oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, especially this one. She'll tell you what's up. So yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> so what are you what are you working on right now? Are you at the moment just obviously working hard at getting the word out about the song and and doing uh, different projects with that. And then I'm working on a few different um, acting projects at the moment. I'm an executive producer of a project called Isolation Series, which is the brainchild of Steve Leeds over in the UK. And and I'm also acting in that. And it's all virtually done. So every actor around the globe gets a script they do this they do their scenes with as plain of a backdrop as possible and he basically edits it all in so that we look like we're together and it's it's really cool and i'm, I'm really proud of him he's we're working hard at getting we did two we did one series already and now it's into the next series and of course looking at how we can get some sponsors behind it you can maybe uh, throw in different brands and different scenes and so looking at those ideas and I think it's the right time in the industry too I think people are looking for projects and and it's a comedy so it makes people laugh so working on that and and then I've also got a few other indie films of um, executive producer of that I'm not doing any of the acting and and then just continue to write music and and writing some scripts for some different ideas about to tell the story that you know of hope and and encouragement so I love it I love your music and it's so cool thank you so beautiful so where's if people want to find you online where are the best spots for people to track you down like on social media and Yes. So on all on all social media, I'm the same. It's just Emmy Lentino, E double M E, and then Lentino's L E N T I N O. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, YouTube is Emmy Lentino as well. And I have a website. It's just emmylentino.com. And uh, that's where listeners can find out how to get my music. And it's like a one stop shop where they can go to all the different um, places if, if it's um, too hard to write down or something. Yeah, um, it sounds easy. Some people have, yeah. they're all different, for all different platforms. And it's like, yeah, you kept, yeah, it, no, I, you kept it so far. I'm really fortunate that there's not another Emmy Lentino, um, yeah. at least not yet. 
they, they haven't haven't showed up they yet. So surfaced. yeah. <laughs> and and my music's on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Deezer, all of the major platforms. And I would really love for folks to check it out and save it and share it and reach out to me as well. I love when human beings get to connect. And at the moment, it's all virtually and I'm thankful for that. So anytime someone writes and says, hey, I heard your song and I, or whether they liked it or not, just the fact that they have reached out means a lot. It and does. so I, yeah. Love that. no, yeah. I agree. It's a good time for that, especially because most people are stuck at home. So yeah, I get to see many people. But anyway, thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad we get to meet online virtually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, great. Uh, yeah, hopefully someday. Maybe I'll get to catch you live or something. Are you in a oh, lot? Or, that'd be cool. I want to see you. Yeah, that would be really cool. Absolutely. I would love that. And and best wishes on everything you're working on. Your career is amazing. Oh, so yeah. I hope that one day I get to I get to work with you in some capacity. You're just yeah. awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. I would like that too. All right, take care. Thank I'll you. Soon. Yep, bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, this is Karina. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, check out some of our other episodes and give us a rating. And you can also see the written article on authoritymagazine.com. In the meantime, stay safe and we hope to see you back here soon.